great. Thank you. Good morning. Let's try it again. Good morning. morning. That's better. Happy that you're here. Thankful. You know, it's obvious your pastor got his good looks from his mother. And uh, (laughs) so you get to witness that today. Take your Bible to James chapter 5. He has given me the responsibility of wrapping up the book of James as we study it today. And whether you're watching online or here in person, we're grateful that you're a part of Redeemer City Church. And it's a thrill for my wife Cindy and I to be here. We're delighted and thankful for the opportunity. And now we become your family and you become our family. And I hope we'll get to know you better as the days and months go by. Our series today is is that working let me make sure I'm with you here I obviously need you you know I'm not a rookie in this but it does help if you turn the thing on (laughs) that pick there we yes Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) And uh, I want to share with you what Mitch has given me the responsibility for you today to bring you the Word of God as we close the book of James. James chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. In these verses, James shares with the dispersed believers the activity of true faith. So the book of James has been all about faith and works, that your work should show and apply, be applicable through and by your faith. So he shares what is the activity of faith. And from this sermon, I ask you the question, and it's this question that the text answers. Does your life align with the work of faith? Do you, your life, does it align itself with what active faith is? I challenge you today that active faith is involvement. It's involvement. You cannot sit on the sideline if you call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ. You are involved, and James shares how that involvement plays out. We've seen in this book the importance of vision up, vision in, vision out. Vision up, chapter 2, verse 14, you must pursue God and nurture your faith. Chapter 4, verse 14, what is your life, was preached by Pastor Mitch. It doesn't consist of the things offered in this world. Vision out, chapter 2, verse 1 and 8 and 9, love your neighbor as yourself and show no partiality. And then vision in is chapter 1, verse 12, remain steadfast under trial. Chapter 3 was control your tongue because it's like a fire. And then last week, we heard in Mitch preach, be patient and establish your heart because the Lord is returning. Knowing all this that James has said to the believers, we now come to his conclusion of the book. And it is not what you think it would be. And we'll share that in but just a moment. Let me read for you our text of scripture today. James chapter 5 verse 13. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. 
Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. It's quite an abrupt ending. Years ago, I was flying home from a Holy Land trip where I visited the places where Jesus walked. You want to bless your pastor sometime, send him on a Holy Land trip with his wife. His life will be changed. His preaching will be changed. You want a double blessing? Go with him. But uh, we were flying back, and all of a sudden, the pilot came on this huge plane and on the announcement said this, we are beginning to hit some turbulence that was unforeseen, and you need to hang on. And I'm telling you, for 20 minutes of my life, we were going and dropping like 80 feet in the air and then come back up and then sway to the left and sway to the right and then you drop again and come back up and then the plane dropped again 20 minutes at a time. 80% of the people on that plane used that little white bag in front of them. I was never so happy to put my feet back onto the ground as we land in New York City. It was turbulent. It was tough. And with all the turbulence that James covers in this book, tame your tongue. How you doing with that one? Be patient. Now he comes and makes an abrupt landing to conclude this book. We just read it, and it's abrupt. The Apostle Paul, when he finishes his books, is saying, give my greeting to this person. Tell this person hello. Greet this one with a holy kiss. And James, it's not like that. Where the Apostle Paul in Romans, the whole chapter of chapter 16, the last book of the chapter, is all his greetings to those he knew. James doesn't do such a thing. James gives the final thought about, okay, here's how you are involved and should be involved. This is your faith. You need to show it being active. 
And by the grace of God, through the power of his spirit today, I want you to see this powerful conclusion that James provides. Remember this. James is speaking consistently and constantly to brothers, to brothers and sisters in Christ. He's not talking to those outside the world. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're part of this body, the church family, and he's speaking to you. What does he have to say? And he uses in verse 18 again in our text, brothers, brothers and sisters in Christ, and gives this final conclusion. And we see that your works show your personal faith in two ways. Now the key to the book of James, the key verse, is of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. If we are truly followers of Christ, then the faith in Christ and in his word, that which we believe, will be fruit that pours out of our life. I always preached, if you live it, you believe it. If you believe it, you live it. Let that sink in for a minute. You can't talk the talk without walking the walk. If you live it, you believe it. If you believe it, you live it. So your faith has to naturally come out in your works if you are genuine. Now, by way of review, you heard the following questions. Why am I going through this? What am I doing Are you divisive? What do you want? What is my life? And last week he preached, will you remember the Lord and establish your life? Today's text answers this final question, is my faith active and working? Throughout the whole book, he's relating this work and your lifestyle, your speech, your activities should all confirm that which you believe. Your lifestyle should confirm your belief. You can't say this with your tongue and then live a different way. You don't quit in the middle of a trial. You remain steadfast. You lean hard on your Lord. You do not show partiality or discrimination. You are not proud or arrogant in your boasting. And concluding the book... James gives two actions, two works that reveal genuine faith. I want you to see them today. Number one, number one, I didn't turn it off, I promise. There we go. Number one, genuine faith includes personal activity. James gives a list here in verse 13 through 18 are you suffering? Is he, are you cheerful? Are you sick? Are you confessing your sins? They're all imperatives. Let, them, let him pray. Let him rejoice. When you are suffering, when you are cheerful, when you are sick, when you're honest and open about your sin and failures, 
your faith is actively involved in your own personal life. What are the things you do? You pray. You sing. You get the elders and godly people around you and you share with them. You share, hey, I've been down that road. I understand. You know, that's confession of your sin. The Lord has forgiven you. But you can certainly help somebody else. And you must do these things in order to have an active faith. Your involvement. You initiate these things. No one's telling you to pray. No one, you're sick. No one's telling you to rejoice in the Lord when you're well and cheerful. These are activities that you personally do and are involved with. And he gives a biblical example for you to follow. It's that of Elijah. Elijah had the same nature as you. He fervently prayed. The word fervent is the same Greek root word. Literally, you might say he pray prayed. Or he had a place set aside of prayer. Jesus taught us the same thing. Ask, seek, knock. You may not stop it from raining, but God will and does desire to honor and please those whom he loves and those whom love, who love him. The point James is making is that your faith must be active. You must actively be involved with your activity by performing your faith in your Creator, in your God. So this week, when good things are happening, are you prone to give praise to your Lord? Or you just coast through it, take it for granted? Does he hear from you when you're cheerful? When you get sick, it's your first response, the doctor, the medicine cabinet, or your Lord? An active faith will turn to him will pray, will rejoice. Look at these verses, seven, six verses, verses 13 to 18, and one word is found seven times. It's some form of prayer. If your faith is active and alive, you are saturated with prayer. Seven times in these six verses, he says, pray, prayer. Your life, a life of faith, will be saturated by prayer. There's really two options here. Your active faith is you're either praying, or what's the second one? When you're cheerful, you're praising. So James says this, if your faith is active, your doing what you say you believe, your life is consumed with either prayer or praise. One or the other. You are actively, constantly praying 
or praising. How you measure up. James says, an active faith, you're praying or you're praising. So Monday afternoon, when you get that news, it should cause you to either pray or praise. Wednesday morning, when you're in bed, you don't feel like getting out. It should cause you to be praying or praising. Your life, if it's active for the Lord, is either involved with prayer or praise. No matter what you're going through, you need to be in prayer about it. And everything in your life must be saturated by prayer or giving praise to him. Once you see, secondly, genuine faith includes body life activity. It gets a little tougher here. Okay, I know what I'm to do. When I'm sick, okay, I'll pray. When things are going good, I'll praise. Now it gets a little more difficult as James ends his book. Look at verse 19 and 20. Verse 19 and 20 to say, as soon as that goes, My brothers, if anyone, and we can say my brothers or sisters in Christ, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know. That's an imperative in the Greek. That's a command. Let him know. You are to let that person know who wonders that those whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. One of the greatest gifts you have as a believer is the family of God. I think the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift Christ left us. He indwells the believers. I know he lives within me. But many times we fail to think about the Holy Spirit living within that person who also professes Christ. And the greatest gift we have is that he indwells me. I think the second greatest gift is he indwells the family of God that I'm a part of. So if you profess Christ and you profess Christ and you profess Christ, you have the same spirit walking and living in you as I do. So therefore, it ought to bring unity in our walk, in our passions, and in our lives. But in this life, what happens? Somebody, Satan's a great deceiver, begins to steer off, to veer off the path. And you have seen it. I have observed it. And there's a responsibility that we have as the body of Christ to one another. God from eternity past knew you. He had you in mind and the path you would take, and it's no accident. There's no accident that you sit here in this church family today with the people who are seated around you. 
That's his design. He has planted you here for this time. And with purpose. You don't know, but that person three rows up from you may become your best friend in a few weeks. What does it take? It's your involvement in the body of Christ to know people and be involved in other people's lives. Listen to this quote. When every believer in this church is led by the Spirit of God, there is unconditional love, extravagant giving, and exceptional care for one another. Listen, the world is seeking that. That's what they want. They desire it. And Jesus said, John 13... They will know us by what? Our love for one another. So you, as the body of Christ at Redeemer City Church, this local community, should express unconditional love, extravagant giving, and exceptional care for each other. 24-7. God placed you here in this group, in this family. Notice how the conversation from verses 13 to 18 turned from you are sick, if you're cheerful, if you need the elders to pray, if you are suffering... Active faith is your personal involvement to now, verse 19 and 20, it's about somebody else. It's about the one who strays down a bad, sinful path. And what is your responsibility as the body of Christ? It's your duty to put your arm around them And to help them back to the straight and narrow way of Jesus Christ. I was talking with Pastor Jerome the other week. We discussed it. It was mentioned how if I was stabbed in the back and wounded. And I can't get around to take care of it. I certainly and surely would want someone to come and help stop the bleeding. And put some gauze and a a band-aid on there. I would need that. Why do we think it's any different in our spiritual life? When the body of Christ, somebody's hurting, somebody's straying, it is our responsibility, it's your responsibility, if you're a disciple of Christ, if your faith is active, to touch that person's life and to be involved and to help heal. To bring the balm and the salve that's necessary for the wound. When this text speaks about confess your sins to one another, I think the greatest example, and you heard it last week in a testimony that was given here. The greatest thing you can do is when you see somebody 
who's on that path are straying away, or maybe they're not coming like they used to. The person who lived that before is the greatest person and the most special person to say to them, hey, friend, you know, I did that. I I was part of that sin. I got it right. And you know, I'm here. I want to help you. Let's pray. Let's do this. You and your past can be the greatest gift to that person who's on that path that's straying, that's wayward, to say, man, I walked that walk. You know, you realize where it takes you. I was there. Come on back. What is that? It is love. That is love at its finest. Years ago, I preached through the book of 1 John. And I developed a new definition for love that I now go by. I used to say love is doing what's best for the person, but somebody could always understand, could misconstrue that and say, well, that wasn't what was best for me. You yelled at me or whatever. And, and they would argue it. This is the definition I came up as I studied the book of 1 John. Love is unconditionally doing what is lovely and lovingly for the other person. I will do everything I can for them that's lovely and lovingly to help them. That's unconditional love. I will expend myself for your good and I will do it in a loving way, always. My words are right, my actions are correct, and it's in love. Isn't that what Christ did for you? He doesn't slam you over the head. You should be so glad you don't live in the Old Testament because it was whack. His grace is abundant today. And should we not be gracious to one another? It's easy when things are going good sometimes. But when somebody's straying or going the wrong path, you still are responsible as the body of Christ to lovingly, Do what is best to help that person. When your sister in Christ or your brother in Christ are straying from the word or moving away from the people of God, it's your responsibility. Faith is active to bring them back. And you're the key to helping to do that. Just imagine the Holy Spirit who lives inside you If they're a true believer is living inside of them, what are they doing? They're quenching the Spirit. You get alongside of them, and with unconditional love, that Holy Spirit's going to do what in their life? It's going to bring conviction. 
It's going to bring remembrance. Man, I'm not loved like that anywhere else. And through your prayer and through your love, you bring back one. And what's the Scripture say? Let him know. That's you. You know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Where does sin lead? To death. Sin always leads to death. And you're covering that in their life, and very possibly in your life, a multitude of sins. That Greek word for multitude is where our word plethora comes from. Just tons of sins covered. Why? Because you were lovely to them and lovingly shared truth. And by the Spirit and grace of God, you bring them back. The writer of Hebrews told us the same thing. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to what? To love. To love. What's the best way to stir up love in somebody? Show them your love. You love them. There aren't many people who are going to blow off your love and say, Oh, I don't want that. What's wrong with you? You're weird. No. It's going to fertilize love in their life. To love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. Hmm. There's involvement. You make a pattern of not coming together with God's family... And you're going down a path. Because we're commanded, don't neglect to meet together. As a habit of some. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. What's that day? It's the, the day of the Lord's return. I can't wait. I've been ready. Tell my wife, I'm ready now. She says, not on the next train. But... We are so anxious and long for that. But till that time, consider one another. Get involved in somebody else's life who is a believer. Because we are never made to live on an island. You need the body of Christ. You need the family of God. We must learn to be discerning with our love. We must learn to be dependent on our Christian brothers and sisters. We must learn that we cannot do life on our own. You were made for community. And Jesus, when he returned to heaven, said, I'll give you the Holy Spirit to come alongside you. And they have that same spirit. 
And it's our responsibility to be involved in their lives, not to lord over them, not to watch every move. But you'll know when there's not a kindred spirit and when they're straying from truth. And a real friend, a true friend, a real disciple of Christ has active faith that will say, hey, come on. I've been there. That's not what you need or want. I don't have time to go into James, John chapter 21, but it's one of my favorite passages to preach. John 21 is where Jesus, after his resurrection, appears to his disciples. They're fishing. There's no fish. They're catching nothing. He says, put, put the net on the other side. We're told the exact amount of fish, 153 or 157. Jesus has breakfast grilling on the fire for them. They eat. And then what does Jesus do? It is so powerful. He demonstrates unconditional love to Peter. Peter, who denied his Lord three times. Jesus tenderly walks him through a process of bringing Peter back to usefulness. I believe and can show you in Scripture that he was forgiven before this. Paul says in Corinthians, he was forgiven. So the forgiveness is there, but Peter's not restored yet. And Jesus tenderly walks him back. And it's amazing in the Greek there, the words that are used. But that's your perfect example. Jesus restored a wayward Peter so that he could again be useful. Now, James is not addressing in these verses your active faith for outside this place and to be a witness. I find that fascinating. He's not addressing that. He's addressing just us who profess Christ. And if you're not properly aligned within, within this body, then you're not going to be effective out there as a light and a witness for him. That's what James is talking about. Your faith is active first in your own personal life, and then it's active in body life, the family of God. That's an active faith. And if you're not aligned properly within, you won't be pleasing to God out there. And then secondly, you must be open so that you can help the one who is shut off or closed or not in community. You have to be so open that you can help that person who's saying, eh, eh, and you get your arm around them. And your faith is active. So how much, or let me say it this way, how's your love level? How's your faith? Is it actively engaged in loving other people? Maybe you're struggling with it personally. 
You know, I, when I'm sick, I'm calling the doctor. Well, that's a good thing, but you should call on your Lord too. The first six verses of our text say this. I needed help. God rescued me. I was sick. I prayed. God answered. I was rejoicing. God answered. Praises to him. I sinned. You know, the elders, I need the church family. I need the church body to be praying. Please. I need this. And I initiate those things. The last two verses say, I was there. Friend, the Lord helped me. The Lord can help you too. Come on, let's pray. Let's get together. Let's walk through this together. I'm here for you. And we're actively involved in our church family's life. I want to show you a 15, 20 second video as we conclude our thoughts this morning. Because God has placed in his creation the very concept that James concludes here with this book. And I think it's so appropriate. It's a perfect picture of what brothers and sisters in Christ should do for one another. Let me show it to you. a suffering brother or sister in Christ. What's the family of God do? Hey, if the turtle world can do it for each other, what's it say about the body of Christ and how we should live for each other? They come together. They love one another. They help. They assist. They're there for each other. First Peter 4.8 says, Show deep love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. When that wound is in somebody's back, and it could be yours one day, Is your love so vibrant in this body of Christ that there'll be others there to help heal the wound, to help bring them back? And if you're there one day, have you built such great relationships with the body of Christ, the people of God, the brothers and sisters of Christ, fellow disciples, That when you're there, somebody's going to be there for you. And your spirit and the Holy Spirit within you and their spirit and the Holy Spirit that's working in them 
all come together. And love covers a multitude of sins. As the band comes forward to close, I want to give you just a few final thoughts. In conclusion, here's a checklist for you as to having an active and working faith. Do I pray when I'm sick? Do I pray when suffering? Do I call upon the church for their prayers? Do I sing praise when things are going great? Am I involved in other believers' lives to help steer them back to truth? Remember Pastor Mitch's sermon last week? Be patient until the harvest. Friend, this is the harvest. This is the activity of faith till he returns. We are involved upwardly, inwardly, and outwardly to each other. And you can't neglect one of them. Your walk with the Lord, your own personal faith active, and then the involvement in the family of God to other people. And somebody can be helped when you say, hey, buddy or sister, I went down that path. I'm here to help you. I get it. Listen, I will love you through this process. Let's go. Doing what is lovely and lovingly for the other person. Now, what hinders that? Fear. It's what we sang. It's what we're going to sing here. Fear. Who's the author of fear? Satan. Perfect love casts out fear. If your love is perfected, you're not fearful to say to them, man, I'm praying for you. You know, what can I do to help? And this church should be so lovingly involved with each other that the world sees it and they know we're his family, we're his disciples. Let's pray together. Lord, minister to our hearts. Lord, I I don't know if you're speaking to somebody where their personal life is just not saturated with prayer or praise, or if they know somebody that they can put an arm around to help. Or maybe they are the one who's wounded. Lord, may we respond to your word, to this abrupt conclusion, and yet it's so special because it's how we live our faith. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for unconditionally loving us. May we unconditionally love each other. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.